0: is having dominion over the mountains. What's that? How does this work? How do we have dominion over the impossibilities in our lives? You need to know straight away that the word mountain in the Bible often means an obstacle, something that you must get rid of, something that is blocking you and God's purpose for your life. Something that is standing between you and the will of God. Something God wants you to do, and there's something blocking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, something to overcome, something to conquer, and we conquer by faith. Before I get to the text and the passage I want to speak about, let me just share this personal word of testimony. I have never found it different from what I'm about to describe to you. From 18 years of age right up until this magnificent uh, 60th golden jubilee, wonderful, is that silver? Sorry, silver, I should have looked in the mirror. Silver jubilee, year of 60 years of age. I have never, in fact, somebody sent a text saying, don't keep saying you're 60 because you look in your late 40s. That person's <laughs> going to be promoted in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, if they did say late 40s, <laughs> how late? But in all the years that I've been walking with Jesus, I've never found it to be different from this. And you guys, listen, listen up. Whenever God sends you in a direction to do something for Him, you can be sure that circumstances are going to line up against you and, as if it was personal, oppose you. Don't take it personal. God is giving you something to overcome with. And if you want to have a victory, you've got to have a battle. Amen? Faith tested is faith triumphant. That goes back to a Nigerian preacher, one of my favorite preachers of all time ever. Preached that here many, many years ago. Faith tested is faith triumphant. If you want to be triumphant, you're going to have some tests. If you want to conquer, God will give you something to conquer. If you want to be victorious, there's going to be a battle. Hallelujah! So relish that stuff, and here's how you can be a real champion in overcoming those obstacles and difficulties. So, my passage is the book of Zechariah, chapter 4. So, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> no, I shouldn't say if, turn in your Bibles, please. It might be an iPad, it might be an iPhone, or any other phone, uh, and all the rest of them, just in case they don't get sued by the other uh, iPhone companies. All right. Now, if you're in doubt about this, very simple. If you've got a paper Bible, turn to Matthew and turn left. You'll come to Zechariah very, very quickly. Turn to Matthew. And, and then go left. And then you'll come to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. You just need to fix me up here. I'm a little bit ringing. and Too much for me up here. Don't turn the volume down. Just fix the EQ settings. All right. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And this is the angel talking to Zechariah. So he answered and said to me, The word of the Lord to Zerubbabel... Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. So this is the Word of God into an impossible situation. Verse 7, here it comes. Who are you, O mountain? Not what are you, who are you? I told you it's personal, because behind every mountain There's a personality opposing you, but we have victory in Jesus' name to trample in serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Who are you? I'm just checking how far I've got. Can I do a few tests here? Okay, one step is enough. All right. You keep an eye on me, Matt. All right. Who are you, O great mountain? Not just a little mountain, but a great mountain. Now, a mountain is high. Okay, it's not a hill like Notting Hill. It's a mountain. And I'm going to compete back there with that. That yeah. Don't worry. Mama, don't worry. I've got the microphone. I can, I can handle it. Who are you, oh great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. In other words, you shall be wiped out. Hallelujah. Come on, work with me now. Work with me. I'm doing four services today. So come on, work with me. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. It's going to be removed. That mountain is going to move. Amen. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. You see, they're rebuilding the temple and they've got some problems. Verse 8, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. All right, what is happening here? They are rebuilding the temple. Many of you will know that the first great temple was Solomon's temple. It was a magnificent building. But because the people of God had turned their back upon God, God sent them into exile and the temple was destroyed. But God said, I will rebuild it. And He sent His people back to rebuild the temple. This was a period of restoration. And every time we dip into these passages, we release the spirit of restoration. Where do you need restoration in your life? In the earlier services, I was speaking on Psalm 23, and there's this beautiful verse, he restores my soul. So let me speak restoration over your life. He will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Amen. The canker worm, the munchy worm, the chewy, chewy, chewing worm. He's going to restore all of this because he's the God of restoration. So we're in a spirit of restoration when we are studying this, these particular passages. And now, in the restoration and the rebuilding of the temple, it wasn't ideal circumstances. They were back in a land that was poverty stricken, that was bereft, it was a land that was full of wild animals and, and everything was overgrown. And what a contrast! When Solomon started to build, he had it good. He had almost unlimited resources at his disposal. The building fund was bigger than he ever needed. All the building resources were there. David, his father, King David, had wanted to build the the temple, but God said, no, your job was to fight the battles and bring us to this point. Now your son is going to build the house. So David did everything he could to make it easy because it was his vision to see it happen. And uh, remember this. Now, sometimes with a vision that God gives you, you won't be the one to build it. You need to raise up sons and daughters in the ministry. Cell leaders, listen to me, cell leaders, one of the most important things you can do is to show your life into your cell members, so you raise up spiritual sons and daughters in the Lord and they carry on the work, In that way we can win this city and we can take this nation back to God. And every single one of you cell members, you should have it as a dream, a godly goal, that you have your own cell, that you are pouring your life into other people, making disciples just as Jesus told you, and in that way... The, the spiritual generations will take over. God is not just the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At least three generations, spiritual generations, to get the job done. So God raised up a Solomon, he raised up a David, and when David said, I can, I'm not, don't have permission to build it, but I'll tell you what, here are the plans... And I have raised a massive amount of funds. I have dipped into the royal treasury. And we've got so much money available for this. And I've also dipped into my personal funds given sacrificially. So Solomon was building the temple at a time which was absolutely right and ready. There was peace on on all fronts. David had fought the battles, collected spoil. And he had an army to defend. But at this point... There were enemies all around. There was no army. There was no building fund. Solomon was a monarch over a powerful kingdom and ruled many Gentile nations and was able to draw from their resources and their expertise so that this work would be the best that the whole generation, the whole empire could bring in. But under now, under Zerubbabel, who was the governor, he never had any of those things. No wonder Zechariah had to say to him, the word of the Lord to you Zerubbabel is this, (laughs) not by might, no military might here, not by power, not by your own personal influences and by now Zerubbabel was feeling not up to the task. He didn't feel he had the personal resources. He didn't have the financial resources. He didn't have the military resources. And there was opposition all around him. And all of this must have appeared to be a mountain that he could not climb, that he could not overcome. And so the word of the Lord is Zerubbabel, remember, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And if you have the Holy Spirit, and every believer has the Holy Spirit, and when we're baptized in the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit in overflowing abundance, that means there's nothing that's impossible for you. That you can rise to every task that God gives you. And in fact, if you feel helpless, you qualify. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Finish the sentence. If we turn it around on its head, therefore with me... You can do all things. Absolutely right. So, not by might nor by power. And so, the Spirit of the Lord was going to enable him to do what no army could ever do. And this is the Word of God for you. You've been talking about being strong in spirit to be champions in the kingdom of God. And here is the fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. It's not I, but Christ. We get out of the way. Let him take over. And when he's taken over. When he's ruling your life. Remember this peoples in the front here. If you allow Jesus to take over your life. You will soar in the things of the spirit. You will conquer. You will persevere. You will endure. You will bear fruit. You will do impossible things. Because God is with you. And so. God said, through the prophet Zerubbabel, through the prophet Zechariah, message to Zerubbabel, Who are you, O mountain? How many people know that in the Bible, mountains have personality? They have ears, because you've got to speak to them. This is not what are you, it's who are you. Can you see behind the opposition is a spirit of opposition, opposing you, and this is is one of the most uh, important lessons of the Christian life. Pretty soon when you become a Christian, you discover something. You have a friend and his name is Jesus, but you also discover you have an enemy. But our friend is more powerful than the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We can't say, oh, you know, I thought it would just be all easy. No, no, no. The devil is going to throw everything in your path to distract you, to discourage you, and to stop you, to overcome you. But remember, we have overcome him because this is what overcomes him, and that is the faith that we have. So, who are you, a mountain? You've got to understand that these mountains need addressing. In a while we'll see how Jesus tells us to speak to our mountains. But here is the promise. This mountain shall be made a plain. In other words, God is going to give you the ability to overcome every obstacle in your life that stands in the way of you and His will. Now, when I was reflecting on this, I thought I needed to make this point. This is in the context of following God's purpose. All right? God's purpose. If there's something blocking you, then you have a purpose. Do you get it? You're going in a direction. There's something God wants you to do. He's called you to do something, and this is blocking you. So if there is a mountain in front of you, Rejoice, because it means you're a person of purpose. Now, don't think that every difficulty is a mountain. No, 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 no. If it's a barrier between you and your will, it's a blessing. Amen. Let God block every plan that has not been birthed by His Spirit. But the moment you say, I am going to go God's way, the moment you say, I'm going to win souls for Jesus, All kinds of stuff will come up and and will will try to hinder you from doing that. But remember, a mountain is there because you are a man and a woman of purpose. What is our purpose in the kingdom of God? Many things. Of course, it is to get to know Jesus more and more fully, to keep surrendering our lives, let his kingdom come in us. But more than any of these things, the purpose is, is that we glorify him by bearing fruit. Jesus said, this by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and your fruit should remain. So don't just think this is a nice promise that I can just live my life my way and anything that gets in my way God will give me the authority to remove. No, no. He's not saying that at all. He's not promising you that he's going to move the mountains out of your way so you can do what you want and what you choose. He says, choose my will, choose my kingdom, and my call on your life, and then I will be with you. You know this promise where Jesus said, I will be with you until the ends of the age. Remember that one? That promise, where's that found? It's the last verse. Of Matthew chapter 28. And what is the context? Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And teaching them everything that I have commanded you to do. Teaching them to observe, to obey me. And I will be with you. God will only bless what he commands. So this is... The prior condition of all these promises is that you are walking in the will of God and that you have as your determining influence in your life, your purpose, your direction, your goal is to serve God and to bear fruit for Him. And so this is about removing every barrier to fruitfulness concerning the will of God in your life. So what were the mountains that Zerubbabel was facing? First of all, there was discouragement among the people. Uh, when people are discouraged, discouragement spreads. It's just like this dampening spirit. That's where you need to get around people who encourage you, not the discouragers. Oh, uh, discouragement is not a ministry. Encouragement is a ministry. Discouragement, let the devil do his work. Well, don't, stop him from doing his work. Don't do his work for him. Never discourage somebody. Always encourage people to serve God. In the cell vision, every cell meeting is about encouragement. Come on, people, we can do this. We provoke one another to love and good deeds. We meet together and we help lift up those hands that hang down. Amen and amen. And and this kind of encouragement is necessary and it is a ministry of the Holy Spirit who is God's encourager. To be strong in spirit means you are Hard to discourage, easy to encourage, and you are an encourager of others. Discouragement. Secondly, opposition from enemies. Enemies around them. They did everything they could do to discourage them. They even tried to, uh, to get a, a governmental ruling against them. And our discourager is very busy in our society today to try and cut off The flow of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this nation to try and stop Christian influence from permeating and penetrating every level of society. But you in the cells are God's purpose for this city because you go where the enemy is. You go to the enemy's camp. That's why we should be out there in the so-called secular world, in inverted commas. There's nothing secular, really. Secular means God doesn't belong to it. Well, this world belongs to God. Amen and amen. The only secular thing is sin. But I mean, out there, you are called and equipped to go out and into the enemy's camp, into the places of education, into the institutions, into the great areas of this nation, which we call the giants Uh, The giants, in other words, the big influences in our society, the big hitters. We are there as Davids to tear down those Goliaths and see God's kingdom come in our city. That's the vision, to be strong in spirit in the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen in this house? Amen. Amen. We're getting there. Opposition from enemies. Now, don't think it's surprising if people oppose you. Don't go crying, oh, Jesus, they don't love me. They hated Him without a cause. So they will falsely accuse you. They will malign you, mistreat you, say all kinds of evil against you. And how do we handle that? Badly? No, no, no. How do we handle that? By love and prayer and good deeds. By your works, by your fruits. Demonstrate who you are. Then something else was happening. They were having very poor crops. Everything was overgrown. So what this means in our modern society is they had an unstable economy. And that's what we are, where we are today. And there is nothing that is so restricting and dampening on, on us is when economy is, being, is shaky. And uh, they talk about the feel-good factor. And, and the politicians are always trying to make us feel good. Oh, the feel-good factor is coming back, is it? And then people sit back and say, it's tough. But I tell you... That's exactly the moment when we can see the miracle of God's provision. Wherever you are struggling financially, God has a miracle waiting for you. If only you l- link up to the principles of the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, it says, seek Him first and His righteousness, and all these things will be added, added. And when you read them, it's lavish what God will provide for His children. And so we will never be limited by financial restraints when it comes to doing God's will. We will break through those barriers. We'll overcome those obstacles of of insufficient finance because God is not limited. God is the God who is the God of all provision. Something else was happening. There wasn't much enthusiasm amongst the people. In fact, he had plenty of critics. Oh, this temple that you're building. In fact, when they laid the foundation, they had a, a, not a prayer meeting, but a weeping meeting, a mourning meeting. Oh, and the cry oh, it wasn't like this in the old days. Oh, Solomon's temple was bigger than this. How did that make Zerubbabel feel? This is terrible. There's always people who are the moaning minis. go to church. We're told we are the church. What does that mean? (laughs) Mumbling, grumbling, moaning minis. I tell you what, people of God, get rid of that spirit of mourning and grumbling and complaining. Get on with the job. We are strong in spirit in the kingdom of God. Now is the time to rise up. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, they were also these people, they weren't being very obedient. They were arguing about everything. Doesn't it really say do we have to really have to do this? Because they were saying, listen, you've got to be obedient to God. And at that time, obedience was measured by obedience to the law of Moses. Law after law, do we have to do this? Do we have to do we really have to? I I want to do what I want to do. Why don't we have to live this way? Why don't we have to. Grumbling and complaining about God's perfect righteousness. And even today. When we don't have to live by the letters of the laws of Moses, the Spirit of God ignites us with a desire to love Jesus and leads us. And All we have to do is keep in step with the Spirit. It's a living relationship with God. We've got it so good. God lives on the un- inside of us. Amen and amen. And the Bible comes alive, and it's not following laws. It's walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. It's the most exciting lifestyle ever. No, I don't want to do it. Oh, I know. I know all this. I want to stay at home. I want to watch EastEnders. I'm going to watch EastEnders. I'm going to come pre- to EastEnders. Early morning prayer meeting, 6.30. What is that? Oh, I need my sleep. Guatemala, Mungu, people of God. This is not the way to do it. Enthusiasm. Prayer meeting. Amen. I'm going. Hallelujah. Dealing with sin in my life. You bet. you got it, brother. What, I've changed this, yeah, you've got to do this, got it. Next, do that, got it. Cell meeting, got it. Leaders meetings, got it. Open my cell, got it. I'll open two. I'll open two. You want me to open? I'll open two. I'll multiply uh, my, my, my cells. I'll be there because I'm up for it. People in the kingdom are up for it because they are strong in spirit, because God lives in us. Amen. And I think that many of these same problems face us in every generation? And the answer is God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit power, and, and how we draw from that is through prayer. Now, we've got a long baptism coming up, so I'm going to focus in on just these final points. Turn to Mark 11, because this links now with this teaching, bring it right up to date, in the New Testament, Mark's Gospel chapter 11. and I'll just set the scene here very, very briefly. What is happening is that they're on the way to the temple, and uh, Jesus sees a fig tree, and the fig tree's got lots of leaves, no fruit. So he walks past the fig tree, looking for fruit, and he finds no fruit. So he says, "I curse you, fig tree. Let no one ever eat fruit from you again." And they're a bit shocked didn't pay much attention till the next day when they walk past the same place and peter says oh, look at the fig tree you have cursed it's withered it's withered now jesus could have at that point said yes yea verily i say unto thee that this is a parable that i have performed unto thee that thou mayest knowest that the Nation of Israel hasn't born of the fruiteth and been just full of leafy religion rather than true fruity-tooty Christianity and loving God. And so I'm telling you, this is now a new day. I'm doing a new thing. He could have done all that because that, in many ways, is my best guess at what that meant, what that action meant. But what came to Peter's attention was, wow, look at this. You spoke to that fig tree and something happened. It withered. And Jesus picks Peter up on this point. Because really, Peter was saying, oh, wow, Lord, look what you did. That's amazing. How did you do that? Maybe not, you would think that's not the right question. He should have said, oh, yea, verily, Lord, tell us what this meaneth. But he didn't. He said, wow, look what you did. And kind of, Peter's always like this, kind of, I want to have a go. Can I do that? Can I, I have a go? I have a go. When Jesus is walking on the water, Peter said, oh, I want, to, I want to have a go. I have a go. I want to do it. So Peter's like this kind of guy. He just jumps in and thinks later. Okay. And so, but Jesus takes him up at this point, And this is why I love this, because God is saying, I love that adventurous spirit. People who want to break out of the ordinary. People who want to do extraordinary things. People who want to be supernaturally natural. Amen. How many people are hungering for the supernatural dimension in their life that you can see your mountains move? Oh, you're getting there. Oh, hallelujah. So let's read what Jesus said. He says now um, on, in verse 22, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Which literally means, Have the faith of God. Have God's faith. Now, let's pause right there because you might think, this is a bit weird. I know I have to have faith, but now you're telling me God has faith. Why does God need to have faith? He's God. Surely, if anybody doesn't need to have faith, it must be God because He is God. True. But if anybody has faith, it is God. When you understand the definition of faith, what is faith? Faith is believing God's Word. Who has greater faith in His Word than God Himself? Amen? God has absolute... If you gave me more volume, I wouldn't have to shout so much. But I'll shout anyway. Because it's the 2.30 service. Okay, listen guys. Here it is. Who but God has greater faith in His Word? God has no doubt in his, about His Word at all. When He speaks, He has absolute confidence in what He says. That's a definition of faith. So, Jesus says, have that kind of faith. You can have faith and confidence in God's Word in exactly the same way that God has confidence in His own Word. That's pretty powerful faith. Amen? Because when God speaks, it's done. So, He says, you've got to learn to enter that realm by which you have such confidence in God's Word that you can join God in speaking His Word, and when God's Word is on your mouth, you discover that it has as much power as when it's on His own mouth. I mean, this we're really now in kingdom principles. Uh, when I, every time I preach about this, Dudley, my mind goes back to one occasion, which was some t- a time many years ago I saw something... That really was, for me, a revelation of this. Many years ago, 1987, in fact. 1987, yes. Long time ago, I went back to my birthplace in Kenya. and We ministered in the mountains amongst the villages. And there were loads of marvelous miracles. And I remember the full story. Get my book, um... Buy my book, okay? What's it called? The God Who Heals. The God Who Heals. I tell all this story in that first section. Get it and buy it and read it because it will encourage you. I tell this story in detail. Anyway, we're up in the mountains and um, through circumstances, we're praying for people to be healed. And the first person to be prayed for, who had come to be prayed for, was a woman who was blind, Now, my team, mighty men of God, took two steps away, over to you, Colin. I had nowhere to turn but to do what what needed to be done. I put my fingers on that lady's blind eyes, and I began to do a little bit of thinking here. I know... That when you're speaking by the Spirit, God's Word is powerfully on your mouth. So, this lady wanted to be healed. There was nothing left for me to do but command, in Jesus' name, healing, and speak to those blind eyes and say, blind eyes open!" Now, how many know that that ain't going to work if it's just Colin Dye speaking? I'm not a doctor. I can't make blind eyes see. And there are some conditions anyway, which not even doctors can do. This lady needed a miracle. She needed God. And somehow in that moment, Brett, something happened. My faith connected with the living Word of God, and this very thing that Jesus speaks about came to be. I discovered that God's Word from my mouth was as powerful as His Word from His own mouth. I said, blind eyes open. You read the full story. I said a lot of other things as well. In fact, I prayed every prayer imaginable, thinking one of them has got to work. And when I had nothing else to say, I just stepped back. And then it was a Kikuyu lady, I speak a bit of Swahili, it was Kikuyu lady. And so the interpreter asked the Kikuyu, in Kikuyu the lady, do you see? And she answered in Kikuyu, yes, I see. Uh, and so I said, what did she say? She said she sees. I said, ask her what does she see? So he asked her, what does she see? And just at that moment, she was blinking, it was nighttime, dark, there was a little bit of uh, oil light hanging from this, from this mud hut ceiling, this, and, and, and she, just then, her eyes fixed on me. And she screamed. And she said, ah, I see a white man! <laughs> Hallelujah. God's word from your mouth is as powerful as God's word from his own mouth. Now, if God had not been in it, I'd still be there shouting. Wrong eyes open. I said open. Open, open, open. It won't happen if it's not God. If God's not doing it, we cannot do it. But when we are moving in the spirit of faith, we are linking with God's will, God's purpose, and whatever mountain, blindness arrogance, anything that is out of control, disorder, any obstacle that is an obstacle to you and God's will, under the anointing of God as you speak His Word, you can speak to situations, speak to circumstances, speak to blind eyes, speak to deaf ears, speak to a bank account. You can speak to any mountain and it will obey you. Amen and amen. So that's what Jesus said. He says, have the faith of God, for truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, says to this mountain, mountains don't have ears, do they? Oh, yes, they do. Because behind that physical manifestation is something that is from the pit of hell of being an obstacle between you and the perfect will of God for your life. This is what it means to be men and women, full of spirit, the spirit of God. Men and women of spirit in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Strong in spirit, linked up to the power and the purposes of God, knowing what the plan of God is, knowing what the purpose of God is. So when a mountain comes, you know straight away, I know who you are. You're a mountain. I've heard about you. But I tell you something you're going to be hearing about me. I say to you, "Mountain, be moved." Katika jinala Yesu. That's a bit of Swahili. It means, "In the name of Jesus." I like it when you say in Swahili, "In the mighty name of Jesus." Katika ya Yesu. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love speaking in African languages. They have all the fun. I'll have to learn some Yoruba. I better be quick because I'll be in Nigeria in a few weeks. When I go to um, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, it'll be in French. Donc, je vais presser en français au nom puissant de Jésus. Hallelujah. I'll have to pick up some Yoruba. Any Yoruba speakers here? No, no, no. Tell me how do I say in the mighty name of Jesus? Okay, we'll perfect that. (laughs) Hallelujah. I like it. Well, truly, truly, I say to whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's mountain-moving faith, people of God. It begins with a revelation of who God is, what His will is for your life. It, begins, it continues as you take steps to obey God in His will for your life. You people of being baptized today, make this the first day of the rest of your life. From now onwards, whatever you've done for God up till now... Finish. Now, it's a new day. You're stepping out into mountain-moving faith. You're stepping out into a whole new era of obedient, obedience and fruitfulness. Conquering mountains for the kingdom of God. Katika la yesu. Amen. Go on, tell me now. What is it in Yoruba? I'll let everybody hear you. Amen. I'll get there. I'll get there. Hallelujah. God is great and powerful, and He wants to use you in the kingdom. So when you pray, believe that you have received. So you better be praying according to the will of God. Otherwise, it ain't going to work. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, according to the will of God, you can believe God that He will hear you and grant what you say. Who are you? Oh, mountain, before Zerubbabel, you're going to be reduced to nothing, nothing, because our God is in control, and we are strong in spirit in the kingdom of God. Stand up and give Jesus a mighty shout. Give Jesus a mighty shout in this place.